Hey folks, and tonight's episode is brought to you by YesPleaseVintage.com. If you're in the States and a fan of vintage and upcycled housewares and clothing, give YesPleaseVintage.com a check for clothing, jewelry, homeware, and some really awesome finds. So go check them out now at YesPleaseVintage.com. And currently, if you spend over $60, you get free shipping on all orders. Hello and welcome to the Asian Cinema Film Club. I'm your host as always, Edward Jones, and joining me of course is my co-host, the Professor, Mr. Stephen Palmer. Howdy. On tonight's episode, we look at The Girl Who Let Through Time, the latest incarnation of the ever-popular story. But before we get inside, it's time to ask obviously what you've been watching. And Stephen, what has been holding your interest? Because to pull back the curtains, like we had a week off to recuperate and uh get uh, things back together and catch up on some things so how did uh how did your week off go okay well the good news is i have watched some stuff Same here. <laughs> so it's, it's positive already this could, i've got three things to talk about wow. one crap one pretty really rather good mm. um one bit of a surprise um so i'll start with the crap um i really try and I just wonder how to explain this. I really want to watch more Filipino um, cinema. We haven't bought any to the show yet, I don't think. Um, and it kind of exists in two worlds. Either it's this really dense sort of art house cinema, which you know sometimes the films go on like for five or six hours, and I wouldn't bring that to you. But I always really have selling to me already. Aren't you? Yeah, this or. Idea. Or they're kind of a bit like soap opera level movies, which yeah. Um, but but the star system is big, right? So if you think about, I guess we think about the sort of the star system in Korean cinema quite a lot, right? Where the pop stars and the TV actors become film actors, and 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 you can be famous for just being famous. There's quite a lot of that, anyway. Um, so there was this movie and it looked kind of interesting it's called Steel from 2021 and it's a kind of heist movie um but bizarrely it's set in Japan and basically has these four Filipino ladies who happen to be living in Japan for various reasons get caught up in a scheme to steal a fifth so a fifth lady is the is the girlfriend the abused girlfriend of a japanese gangster and they're going to steal his money um and it really 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 wants to be oceans eight but it's more like oceans negative eight it's got you know it has this opening thing and it's all sort of like you know that kind of cool way they introduce everybody and it happens in the middle of the it basically starts in the middle of the heist and the camera freezes and it says this is x and she's the heart and then a little bit more funky music goes and it freezes on the next one this one is the muscle and and you think oh it's going to be a kind of stylishy it's probably the it reminded me more of what if lock stock and two smoking barrels the guy ritchie film was filmed 
by a Filipino director who's clearly more interested in making romance films. Okay. <laughs> it's really hard to explain, but it, it was so disappointing. I nearly turned it off, which is something I don't do. And it just like the, the, the start just made me think, oh, maybe there's something here. Maybe it's just going to be a low budget Guy Ritchie kind of thing, but with female characters and you get the whole idea of Filipinos in Japan and that, that could be kind of interesting. But no, it's oh, it's dreadful. Um, there is one, um, there's an actress in it called Meg Imperial, which is a really fucking cool name. <laughs> um, her character's kind of interesting. And then I did some reading up and found out that she's some sort of mega star and they're all mega stars. And then when I read all the reviews, all these people are really into Filipino TV and, and films had a lot to say about this movie. So anyway, not really going to recommend that. Very disappointing. The next film though, I bloody loved. Um, so, I want to say Eureka put out a, a... I don't think two films is really a box set, is it? But they did, they've done a, a release of two of Angela Mao's films. Um, I can't remember what the other one's called, but I watched Lady Whirlwind. Oh, yeah, yeah. And see uh, the other one, Hippico? That's right. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Yes, yes, this yes. Is, um, this is a, a rework. There's a, a set that she put out... A couple of years previous, which had about uh, three or four films, so it's, it's the Andrew Mile collection, and I saw that Eureka had, uh, had put this one out. Frustratingly, it's only available in the US and Canada if you're on the Arrow player. But uh, um, okay, yeah. so 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 I, I bought it. Must have been just before Christmas. It obviously popped up. They know they know how to get me, and we'll talk about that again in a minute because you've cost me money this month. Um, but we'll get there in a second. I don't um, encourage you to buy vinyl. I just post things because I appreciate the artwork. It's no, no, you've got no, to step it's, through it's, that door. It's something else you've encouraged me to buy. Okay, on, but on our on our Facebook group. anyway, Lady Whirlwind, nineteen seventy two. Um, it's like this amazing widescreen um, rev- kung fu revenge movie with Sammo Hung with the most amazing sideburns in cinema history. Yet again, for the second film running, I think, that I've talked about, I think last time I talked about Summer Hung movie, he's the bad guy again. I mean, the, his sideburns are so good, he could be on the Aneedon line, which is a deep-cut British TV reference from the 70s. Are they sideburns <laughs> or lamb chops, So, Oh, I, yes. I think they're both, mate. Oh, I think they're so both. Say, you mut- beauty. Mutton chops, yeah. Fantastic. But yeah, I just, I, I was expecting it to be quite good, because I, you know, I'm aware of, of Angela Mao and she's like this little pocket rocket yeah. but they they do some really interesting things with it like make you think that there's basically two character two female characters who dress very similarly and very similar build and you don't realize there's two of them for the first 15 minutes of the film so it's a bit it it sideswipes you a little bit with what's happening where basically there was this guy who was engaged to be married to her brother. No, her brother, her sister, sorry. It's not that it's not that progressive. And he dumped her for reasons and she killed herself. So she's come to get revenge on this guy. However, this guy maybe isn't as bad a sort as she thinks he is and is fighting against the corruption in this small town. And his girlfriend basically says, no, no, don't kill him yet. Help him, um, help him stop the big bad. And... There's some wonderful fighting moments in it, and then that 
like near the end, some another character, like this Korean bloke, turns up and teaches the the guy, the main guy a new form of kung fu. Then dies. That's ten minutes of the film right near the end, and it's just it's just this wonderful madness, and it's filmed amazingly. It's in something called Daily Vision or something, but it's it's like one of the most widescreen kung fu films I've ever seen. Uh, it's it feels like a it's just some wonderful outside sort of landscape stuff. Angela Mao's brilliant. I can't wait to see the other one now. I I don't know why. It was um single criticism at the end. Well, yeah, can I spoil a film from 50 years ago? I probably not. Um it does end very quickly and she spent 2 hours wanting to have revenge on this guy and then she just gives up with a meh and walks off. <laughs> But yeah, I guess I guess you've seen Lady Whirlwind. Um, yes, I mean I've seen I saw that book set quite a while um, ago because she did another one with George Lazenby. I want to say as well. Um, the name, excuse me, but I will look it up and I will bring it to our, our uh, the show next week. Um, where well, we'll dig out that box set and we'll see what else is on there because we haven't talked a lot about Angela Mao. Um, so I think it's 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 a topic worth further exploring so i will um i will dig out some stuff of hers for for next episode definitely oh, so excellent but yeah a real i don't know i i was expecting it to be okay yeah it's eureka stuff yeah you know they, they've usually got quite a good record i wasn't expected to enjoy it so much because i just thought it was just gonna be you know we, we watch a lot of kung fu movies right and there's a lot of them and I don't know why it just appears. It's got it's a lovely little set as well. Eureka do lovely little things like that. <laughs> so, um, I was really, you know, really happy with it. But what I will say is, yes, you've posted on the um, <clears throat> Facebook group about they just released uh, 88 films uh, releasing Stephen Chow's Fight Back to School 1, 2, and 3. Oh, yes. Yes, so they are. Oh, <laughs> bastards. Um, Stephen Chow again. We've I think we said this multiple times on the show. He's sort of like one of those directors and actors you would think that his filmography would be easier to get hold of, especially after the one-two punch of Shaolin Soccer and Kung Fu Hustle. But when we didn't get the Mermaid, he sort of disappeared from Marshalls, and then occasionally things would turn up like God of Cookery, uh, King of Beggars. Um, they just sort of turn up randomly on like um, Arrow on sorry on Prime or, and things like that. So it was kind of nice to see that uh, Fight Back yeah. School one, two, and three were obviously I, turned I've, up there. I've only seen, I, I have them in Hong Kong format, um, but I've only ever watched Fight Back to School one. So it's a bit like um, Twenty One Jump Street, but with Stephen Chow, and it's very funny. And so I'm really excited. So yes, I've ordered the fucking set with one two and three in it 88 films do lovely little sets as well i just thought it was a bit a bit overpriced but then i look at what i've been spending uh, it's physical media at the minute unfortunately it's it's yeah. only getting more expensive which is a shame because obviously we had tiger cage one to three uh mm. the donnie yen collection which was also a really great set but it's more than I really have have sort of available to spend on such things. Yeah, no, I I know what you mean. I mean, I'm also Stephen Chow completist, and you're right. Right, his um, I think Mermaid did get a uh, a got a DVD release, I think, over here, but not very it's not a pretty bare bonesy thing, and you probably wouldn't find it very easily if you went looking for it today. Um, but you're right. So so 
so few of his films have a physical release over here and it's just random like i think justice my foot and 60 million dollar man like were the only two on netflix for a while um so yeah it's really exciting to see that fight back to school that wasn't what i was going to talk about but yes i'm blaming you for that so we will have to watch it when um when it finally comes out in a couple of months time the final thing i want to talk about is um so we do tend to concentrate on southeast asian cinema on the show as anyone who's been with us for a hundred and whatever episodes we've been doing this for plus plus the spin-offs but i do occasionally have a little delve into the world of south asian cinema i.e. indian cinema and although normally i sort of flip around um the non-bollywood stuff but in preparation for i was on the lamb cast a few weeks ago and i was talking about rom-coms and i was trying to find rom-coms from around the world uh, i didn't actually watch this in time to be on that but i've watched it now um now my ability to pronounce this is very limited um it's called dilwale dilhania Lee jng or jng i don't know i've made it sound like it's in french but it's not so it's a 1995 movie it's um uh, yeah, it's it's like one of the most famous Bollywood films of all time. It holds all kinds of records for basically being on at a cinema constantly since 1995 to now. So it's like the film version of Dark Side of the Moon. Yeah, it's been at the cinema. I think they stopped doing covid lockdowns for a little bit but effectively it holds the record i mean it, it was it was in the charts for a thousand consecutive days or so or it can't be a thousand weeks that would be ridiculous wouldn't it but um whatever it's 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 um it's just like this really popular film and it's the stars and it so the the main actor in this is a guy called Shah Rukh Khan, uh, known as SRK in the in the biz, <laughs> who is the most famous Indian actor of the modern age. You will recognise him, mate, if you saw him today. He's 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 the he's the um he's the face of Bollywood basically even today. Um, I'm surprised he didn't turn up in RRR. Basically every all these films by the way all go by um initials I found out. <laughs> anyway, so and and basically so he is a fella called Raj and he is and he lives in England. Lives um so he's but he's like um what's the word? Well they, they he's a non-resident Indian but he's like that kind of um you know like a new money kind of rich indian so his dad's obviously come across and made his money and so his son hasn't had had to earn anything he's uh he's a bit of a playboy he's a bit of a lad him and his mates um sort of they're not really obeying those classic indian principles of working hard at school and growing up to be a doctor or a dentist they're just sort of drinking and carousing and having fun with the ladies um and 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 
it's quite funny because he actually fails. He becomes the first person to ever fail at his university. I mean, I don't know what world this lives in, but it's not very realistic. But um, and his dad's quite proud of him because said, "Yes, I was a failure. Your dad was, your granddad was a failure. We're all failures at education, but we're really good at business." Anyway, he's he's this guy, and then there's a girl um, called Simran, played by uh, actress who she must be good because she has a single name of Kajol. That's her. She's like Madonna or Cher. Um, and she's got amazing eyebrows. Um, but she's, yeah, basically she is, it gives the impression that she's quite a modern. She also lives in the UK. Um, her father runs a, a corner supermarket sort of thing. Um, she's just finished school and she basically begs her father and mother to allow her to go on a, and this really dates it to the mid 90s, mate, on a Euro rail trip where her and her friends go euro railing around Europe. I don't even think you I don't think you can do that anymore, but that just dates it, you know. That's what that's what people did when they graduated before TikTok and stuff. They'd get this train ticket that they get trains all around Europe. Obviously it's quite a big deal because she's a young lady, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, events happen that turns out Raj and his friends are doing the same thing. They crash into each other and initially Raj and Simran do not get on at all because he's a you know, he, he's not a very good Indian boy. He's, um, and, and they have wacky hijinks all around Europe. Well, when I say all around Europe, mostly Switzerland. <laughs> um, events then conspire that they get both get separated from the parties they're traveling with and they have to meet up somewhere else together. So they have this kind of little road trip where, again, fun happens. But guess what happens to them, mate? They fall in love. Um, and we get then to this is a Bollywood film so it's three hours long at the hour and a half point we have an intermission I don't know if you've ever watched a Bollywood film but they all have intermissions with a little title card even when you watch them on DVD it's amazing um, and just before the intermission comes up it is announced that although Simran really likes him nothing can come of it because actually what's going to happen when she returns home from her trip to Europe she's going off to India to get married because she's been in, she's in an arranged marriage and her, this is basically part of the agreement that this could be her last four weeks of freedom before well they don't phrase it as freedom obviously but you know before she goes off and does her duty and gets married to her father's friend's son now raj has become a changed person and after the intermission he goes to india and basically hijacks the wedding and makes everyone like him and basically his plan is is to make Simran's dad like him so she can get out of this arranged marriage and go off and marry him and wacky hijinks happen around the wedding um whereas the first half of the movie is very much um it's like lots of it's done in London although very early in the morning because no one else seems to be around but it literally is in Trafalgar Square and stuff there's just nobody there apart from scaffolding so you can date it to the mid-90s as well <laughs> where they're cleaning it up and stuff you know it's you know like um or when they do things like um uh what's the what's the zombie movie with Killian Murphy? 
Oh, 28 days. Yeah, when he wakes up in London and no one's there and they had to film it like at four in the morning or in Dalek Dalek Invasion of Earth when they had to get the Daleks over Westminster Bridge. They had to get up at like three in the morning to do it, but the sun was up. Well, that's that's how I feel this film is. And it does the same when it goes to Switzerland. There doesn't seem to be anybody living there, but they're clearly there. Anyway, the second half of the movie is very more studio bound and the sets are clearly sort of studio sets and I'm sure if I knew much more about Indian weddings I'd find a lot more of it funny however the first half of the movie is okay the second half of the movie is fucking brilliant (laughs) and I'm a bit of a sucker for romantic comedy but for a three-hour film in oh sorry that's also a Bollywood musical and you know what I think about musicals I fucking hate musicals it's really good and really enjoyable and don't worry, I'm not going to be bringing lots of Bollywood films to the show. <laughs> it's a separate uh, show entirely to do Bollywood, it is. isn't it? So. It, it? It is, but I don't, you know, even though, like I say, I've watched a, quite a lot of Indian films, but I don't tend to watch Bollywood ones because I just can't stand the length. I can't stand the singing and dancing, but the songs are catchy. Is it? Is it very progressive? Um, a little bit, but maybe not. I think I think a, a modern audience, certainly a modern Western audience, might frown a bit on some of the sort of sexual politics and some of the things that people are saying. Um, but that might come out of ignorance of other people's cultures. But I I really enjoyed it. Um, Shah Rukh Khan at SRK is clearly got enough charisma for about fifteen film stars. You can see why he's so popular. Um, and yeah, it was a, a good time was had, surprisingly. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd recommend it. It's on, um, I think it's Amazon it's on. So, okay. Um, if you can work out what it's called from my um, pronunciation, Diwale Dalhania Le JNJ, good luck with that. Um, anyway, what about yourself, mate? What have you been watching? Okay, uh, first one is going to seem a little left field but it will make sense when I get into it. Um, That is Bullet Train from 2022, which is based on the book by Kitaro Isaka. Is that the the Brad Pitt one? This is a Brad Pitt one, yes. Right. Uh, Obviously, uh, Kitaro has previously done... He wrote Fish Story, which we covered previously on the show. He also wrote The Foreign Duck, The Native Duck, and The God uh, in a Coin Locker. I don't know if you saw that one or not. I'm aware of them. I, I I haven't seen it. Well, we saw a fish story together. Obviously, oh, we was. did. We did. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Um, and as I said, I was I was very intrigued by by uh, by this one, and I have to say, it's really, really, really good. Um, it's by the same director of Atomic Blonde and Deadpool Two. And it's very much a, a great companion piece to Smoking Aces, as you have a bunch of assassins. Uh, oh onboarding this bullet train and they all got various reasons for being there and they could all be connected to this uh mysterious uh russian guy who's uh taken over the uh, yakuza clan called the white god uh for asian cinema fans it stars hiroyoki sanada um who is fantastic in it he recently played scorpion in the most in the most recent mortal Kombat, but he was also in like life and he was in sunshine he's in a whole bunch of uh bits and pieces but yeah it's 
great because it's got a real sort of like um japanese sort of pop culture element to it there's a a cat mascot who one of the carriages has been like turned into like a a fan carriage for him um and he's just this giant big inflatable mascot that uh, the various characters keep running into over the course of the film is it as good as the sunny cheaper one I would leave that up to you to decide, but um, I think it was a really fun time, and I recommend you just uh, you all go and check it out. And it also stars Masai Oka, who plays a really determined conductor who's determined to throw Brad Pitt off this train. I haven't seen it, but I've only heard good things about it. I'm glad um, you've heard good things because I thought that this is like, oh, this is going to be a movie everyone loves. So then you've got Letterboxd and it's like two stars, two no, and a half stars. I, a friend of mine saw it. He was really, um, he was really pimping it up to me. So I do intend to watch it. And uh, I don't mind. You know, obviously, obviously, it came out at a time where we were trying to review. Sonny Chiba's bullet train. It was very hard to do searches and get the bullet train that I wanted to talk to, to read up on. Yeah, and I mean, it's Brad Pitt is just having fun with it. He's again entered into that stage of being the older actor who still wants to show he can kick ass, kind of like Keanu Reeves. Um, and I like the fact that he's an assassin, but he's also a klutz, which is always good to see Brad Pitt playing sort of idiot characters, like things like um, films like The Mexican, where he's basically Forrest Gump in his way for a situation. I think that's when he's his most interesting than when he's got sort of like everything under control, like in World War Z. I think he plays the uh, the klutz very well. I I I like Brad Pitt. I think I think he sometimes has been. You know, because he's a good-looking fella, mm. I think sometimes people underestimate what a good actor he is. And he goes really interesting parts. And he's got charisma, hasn't he? He's got loads of charisma, screen charisma. So, you know, he does get away with some nonsense as well. But, yeah, I, I'm, I, it's definitely a film I'm wanting to watch. So I'm I saw glad him, you enjoyed it. I saw him receive an award and he's sort of like, uh, it's like acting sometimes hard when you've got to play characters who take their shirt off a lot, smoke pot, and don't get on with their wife. So I thought that was funny. Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's got a wry sense of humour as well. Uh, other movies in two, we just finished wrapping up production on our Murasaki season uh, with The Wind Rises from 2013. Um, a film that I'd previously tried to tackle twice and fallen asleep both times, but finally managed to make it all the way through. Uh, this is Murasaki's biopic about uh, the aviation engineer Jiro Hirokoshi. But at the same time, it's heavily fictionalized uh, because there's this whole subplot where he's Hirokoshi has this wife who is uh, dying of tuberculosis. But in real life, his wife didn't die of tuberculosis. And it was a character from um, another book by the guy who wrote the biography. And in fact, he had like many children with uh, his wife. So you look at it as a very fantastical take on this uh, character, but at the same time, you can understand why Murasaki chose to do a biopic of this uh, of this particular person, especially for his supposedly retirement film at the time. And since uh, since then, I think he's actually gone back and uh, changed his mind about retiring yet again. So, but uh, no, basically, it follows his uh, career as he 
uh, in World War Two as he uh, travels b- between Germany and Italy, uh, creating designs for World War Two fighter planes. Have you seen uh, Wind Rises, Stephen? I haven't. I'm aware of it. I think. I think I might have some problems with it because I think there's some revisionist history going on there. You've mentioned the that the the the, the character stuff. Yeah, this is a guy who designed planes that fought in the World War Two, right? Yes, like, that's correct. And, and and I think there's some stuff going on where the film sort of says, "Oh yeah," but he wasn't really into the whole. Nazi and imperialist. No, stuff. he's a he's um he's a pacifist. His mm. his whole love is that he's he loves planes, but he's got poor eyesight, so he can never become a pilot. But he has all these revolutionary ideas of how to design planes and clean the rivets. And there's obviously jarring moments such as like they go to Germany, and you forget that obviously Japan and Germany were allies in the war because we when you think of World War Two, we had this very sort of black and white, good versus evil vision of what World War Two was. Um, and it's it's kind of amusing the fact that he goes over to Germany and he becomes friends with this German engineer, but at the same time this German engineer likes to insist that he is separate from the from the uh, Nazi ideologists. That uh, he is just a a German and he just uh, likes to design planes as well. He's also voiced by, if you watch the English dub, it's Herzog who voices him. Which is almost wonderful. (laughs) It's almost as distracting as the fact that Jim from the American office voices his uh, friend in it. So every time his character speaks, he's sort of like, oh, girl, I really want to watch The Office. (laughs) So, but uh, yeah, I mean, obviously. Herzog did uh, Little Dieter Needs to Fly, which is mm. another film about flight, and uh, it's a phenomenal documentary if you've not seen it. But um, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I liked liked it when it, it as well it lasted, but it's certainly not going to be in my like top five really for his for his filmography. I mean, it's it's he does love aeroplanes, doesn't he, old Miyazaki? So um, what's the one with the flying pig? Pilot. Oh, Poco Rosso. Yeah, I mean, that's wonderful. You know, films like that, the one we watched with the, um, is it Kiki's Delivery Service yep. with the airship? You know, this is, this is the, I don't know, the culmination of pretty much everything. Is you know, a film about people designing aeroplanes is absolutely up his <laughs> alley. Um, but I haven't seen it. I will watch it one day. I think I've got it. I think I think I've got it somewhere. I think I picked it up at a CEX or something. For, for like one pound fifty once, and it, it's on the pile of things to watch. It's just, I do know I'm going to have. Well, I'm just looking at Jiro Hiro uh, Horikoshi, the guy that he that the film's about. His Wikipedia pages we're talking, and and that seems to suggest he was a pacifist. And I just don't, I don't understand how you can work mating. No, I think I think he said he thought it was a futile war. That, that's very different to being a pacifist, isn't it? Pick your wars that you're going to kill people in. So, yeah, w- very weird that Miyazaki would would with all the things in his back catalogue that he'd go there. But yeah, I, I'll, I'll watch it one day. But you haven't inspired me to bring it up. The I didn't think mate. I would. No, but I'm sure it looks wonderful. Well, something else that you're probably not going to watch. I watched uh, the two 
films that were designed to both encapsulate and provide an alternate ending to Neon Genesis Evangelion. So this is uh, Evangelion Death in brackets true and um, the other one which I'm trying to remember the name of uh, Neon Genesis the end of Evangelion. Um, Evangelion Neon Genesis Evangelion is one of these holy titles in, in anime series worlds. It's up there with the likes of Cowboy Bebop. It has this rabid fan community that's, that follows it around and much like Gundam and you, if you go on to anime groups, you will hear people raving about how much they love Neon Genesis Evangelion. Um, at the same time, it's a show that is dense on ideology and has all these like questions about creationism and gods. And um, when really, I think a lot of people just like the early episodes of the show where it's just like girls in skin tight costumes in giant robots battling monsters. And they don't want to admit the fact they don't understand like the last four episodes of the show where it just goes completely off the deep end. Um, at the same time, it's... The final two episodes have this really sort of abstract feel to them and there's various ideas of why they were designed the way they were. A lot of people say it's like the director's mentality at the time because he suffers from depression and a lot of people say that it was also the production ran out of money and this was like cost-cutting measures. Either way, they produced these two films to basically take another crack at it. Uh, with Evangelion Death True being a essentially a recap of the series and the end of Evangelion being the last two episodes reworked into a film version. And I have to say that, um, yeah, I'm still none the wiser. I spent a good two hours watching like videos of <laughs> Neon Genesis Evangelion Explained. And Neon Genesis Evangelion for dummies, just to try and make head or tail of what the hell's supposed to be going on here. Because uh, if you haven't guessed from like a hundred plus episodes of this show, I ain't the the brains behind this operation. That's for sure. You put yourself down. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, I'm, really helps in this situation. Because <laughs> I I am aware of this franchise. Mm. And the friend that said that Bullet Train was quite good is a huge nerd about this. Yeah. And he makes, like, robot models of the... The Evas. Of the of them. And I... In, interestingly, I, I've never watched it. Okay. But I'm, I'm aware of it. It's all on Netflix, so you can... Well, yeah, to be honest with you... These two shows sound like you could just watch these two. Uh, maybe I'd remain confused, but it might say be watching twenty six episodes and not <laughs> and not worrying about the four or five other things that have come after. This, this is my problem with some of these um, anime properties. Yeah, and we covered it a little bit when we talked about Ghost in the Shell that. There's sort of the, the the property exists, and then there'll be a a new version or reimagine it, or this will happen in an alternate universe, but actually they sort of connect and they sort of play on the same stuff again. And some of this is quite deep, you know. I'm aware that Neon Neon Genesis Evangelion, a word I didn't even know how to say a few weeks ago, so <laughs> I don't know why I always thought it was a a soft G. Um, <laughs> Evangelion, but um, 
but now I quite like the sound of it. It's just, it's just too, it's just too much for me to dive into. There's sort of, but there's lots of, you know, like you talk about, you know, when you talk about Dragon Ball Z or um, One Piece and there's like hundreds of episodes, that becomes intimidating. But this is intimidating for another reason. And now you've just said it's really too hard to understand. That's not helping either. But it's the fact that there's this, there's just so much around this franchise yeah. that you could get lost in. But what I can say is, you know, I could actually see myself getting into it if it was just these two movies. If, if I've understood <laughs> right, yeah, that the first movie's like... The first one's essentially a clip show of yeah. the first one. Um, Does it make sense as a clip show? I, though, I or... personally would say watch the, the, Pretty... the show. Watch... Right. Um... Because it, I mean, this Hideo Kojima, who did the, the show, also did Shin Godzilla, the most out there Godzilla movie. If you need a, a context, and I understand, as understand what you're saying. We've obviously they've since rebooted it and done four follow up films, mm. which is essentially the series done again. Now with this, obviously with this, uh, with with this one, I mean, first of all, I mean this is a show which. Uh, when you think of like the giant robot shows, you think of like hotshot pilots and just like everyone having it together. Now this is basically where they put like traumatized fourteen year olds in giant robots and have them fight giant monsters, uh, while at the same time psychologically damaged adults are forcing them into it and saying, "Yeah, the fate of humanity is on your shoulders. Deal with that." <laughs> and they wonder why these kids end up with PTSD and end up like damaged individuals. Um, so, yeah, the ending of the original show it had this sort of like upbeat ending where where our main guy um Shinji basically realizes you know he's sort of like I have got a purpose you know I can I see life with new new eyes, and then we have the end version which basically says, gives you the flip side of that where it says where he just like basically says gives into his uh, despair and. Uh, and it's kind of funny because they cut to this live action and you see the audience watching the film and they don't look impressed either. And there's some guy there with his little um, Evangelion uh, dolls there and he doesn't look really happy either. And he intercuts this with like the death threats and the hate mail that he got after the original series. And it's sort of like this sort of like, oh, fuck you. You think you, you wanted it the other way? Here's the other way. Now you deal with it. So, it's a really interesting response to the fans' reaction to the ending of the original series. But I would say, I, I mean, yes, it is obviously a commitment. <laughs> is it? Is it the anime version of a diss track? It is essentially. It's sort of like it's like you think you can do it better. Here's what you wanted. Now see, it doesn't work at all. <laughs> I um, kind of like that. So yeah, we basically get to see all the characters. I mean, even I. I'm like watching it and going, this is like some bad acid dream. It's why Giga took uh, opium to calm the visions. And you think perhaps that would have been a good idea when they were putting this together. So, yeah. I really love to just sit down with someone who loves Evangelion and just like go, yeah, tell me why you like this show. Especially the last four episodes. But I, so I'm, I'm intrigued. Do you like the show? 
Um, <laughs> I'm not. I'm still not sure. I think. I think I understood that you didn't understand it. But do you like it? There's elements of it I really like. Mm. Like you got this um, this redheaded pilot uh, called Asuka, who's this little firebrand, um, who's basically the polar opposite of Shinji. She's just very gung ho, and she's all about about kicking ass and stuff. And and Shinji is just a kind of like a whiny bitch. Um, which seems to be, it's a reoccurring trait within an anime. You've got very melodramatic male leads who just cry all the time, and they have female counterparts who are just very gung ho and get stuff done. Which kind of brings me on to uh, what else I've been watching because I finally I'm on the final few episodes now of Attack on Titan. I had a little break somewhere in the midst of season three, and now I've returned to it, and that is a phenomenal show. It truly lives up to its hype. Um, whereas it sort of establishes itself as this one thing where you've got these people who are living uh, in this world where they have to live inside fortified walls because the rest of the world as they know it is uh, surrounded by naked giants called titans who uh, want to eat everyone and uh, one day the walls get knocked down and the titans break in and you follow these kids as they join the the army and uh, join the fight back against the titans and uh not to spoil anything there, because there's some really great twists in there, but it starts off as one thing, and we go into the final season, and it's almost like, yeah, everything you thought you knew wasn't correct at all, and there's this whole other thing that we've not been showing you all this time. So um, that's just been truly phenomenal. I'm looking forward to finishing off those last nine uh, by the time we, uh, we catch up next time. I just... Yeah, um... They they've made a live action version of Attack on Titan. Yes, they did two movies which I enjoyed, but they're a departure from from the series. They sort of do their own thing. Okay, I mean, I'm just I'm just going to go back to Neon Genesis Evangelion. Okay, <laughs> you're still trying <laughs> to get your head around this. It's like, well, no, because you mentioned the um, director, yes, creator. Um, Hideaki Anno. He has directed one of my guilty pleasure films. Well, I have not realised. I bloody love Cutie <laughs> Honey. <laughs> and um, which is like, well, it's a tokusatsu, isn't it? It's um, it's like a Power Rangers, but with a girl with big boobs. <laughs> and it's full of fan service and it's hilarious. And yeah, he's obviously he doesn't seem to be bothered by his depression while he was making that <laughs> but sorry yes that's a um yeah that's uh that's one of those early days of ebay along with zebra man where i order them and i appear to have some kind of dvdr from japan <laughs> i don't think it's an official release whatsoever but oh one day one day we'll do cutie honey yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Course. Maybe. Oh dear. Um, but sorry. Yes. But um. Yeah. You you've spoken about Attack on Titan before, and again, it's a property that I only hear good things about. People love it, and I've seen some of the art from the. I guess there must be a manga as well. Uh, yes, it's, it's in. Uh, it was serialized in Shonen Jump, gotcha. like all good 
and like the giants have like some of them are like skinless or something. There was something like that. I've got this vision in my head of seeing. Oh some yeah, giant yeah. With one no of the one of the the titans because you've got the general, you've got the normal titans, and oh. then you've got the specialized titans. Uh, since you've got the armor titan, and then you've got the colossal titan, who's probably the big skinless one you've seen. And then as it goes on, there's other titans that introduce like the beast titan, who's like a giant monkey. Um, in the old. The, one of the things of the show is um, is like and and spoiler if you've not seen Attack on Titan, the main character finds out he can turn into a into a Titan as well, and it, you the show becomes about finding out who the identity of the other specialized Titans are. It's like who is the armor Titan, who is the female Titan, and and stuff as well as finding out the history of uh, where the Titans come from. So, but there are some. Uh, movies which compile the series into movie form which i've yet to see but uh, maybe a way to sort of skip for it for yourself uh i think wings of freedom is the first one which i think compiles the first two series uh, um but i would de- i would need to find out for you and i will look it up for you cool yeah i i, the, the, I, I like the sound of the i like the idea but you don't um, want to commit to 89 episodes of anime <sighs> mate i can't I, I mean yeah i don't know how but i say that and then i do commit to all kinds of weird things where i watch 50 episodes of something back to back so you know i i maybe well if you the first one's crimson bow and arrow which mm-hmm. is the first 13 episodes um so i mean you could always just just watch that and maybe that'll be like your your way to skim it down. Kind of like when you watch um, Shogun Assassin because you can't be bothered to watch the first two Baby Kite and Peril movies. Right, yes. Because it's um, yeah. Sword of Vengeance and Battle of the at, uh, Lone Wolf and Cover the River Styx. Yeah, And yep. they're, they're edited into uh, Shogun Assassin. So. Yes, yes, yes. I am. Um... I don't know. Although I, I'm the person that watches the Lone Wolf and Cub movies completely out of order. <laughs> there's no real, there, I mean, there's no real order to them at all. They're just uh, they they're all little inserts, aren't they? On there, mm. and uh, I found out this week that uh, Frank Miller was um, was heavily inspired by those. And, oh, um, absolutely! He was. led the English adaptation of them, I believe. Yeah, that the Dark Horse put out for sure. Yes, no, because his Ronin. Um, his 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 um, comic book Ronin. He um, absolutely was inspired by that. Cool. So yeah, I'm uh, as I said because I've got a trial to fun uh, Funimation at the moment, so I'm using it. I was sort of like looking at what uh, what I can basically finish off because I got Zero Lane on there, which is the cute girls who meld with battleships anime. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was like, oh, you know, I should really finish Attack on Titan so I can like say, say that I've seen something that the kids are watching now. Because let's face it, the One Piece is going to take a while to get through, and <laughs> there's about 400 episodes of Dragon Ball still to watch, and that's just like Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball um, Z. Because mm-hmm. I've only seen Super, and, and I mean, this is what I mean. This is this is the mad madness that it goes down isn't it that's the that's the problem yeah i mean it's it. it's what 400 episodes of berlin men screaming at each other but 
it's it's kind of enjoyable at the same time. Um, so yeah, that's basically what I've been watching. A lot of anime binging at the moment. Um, so it's it's kind of, it's kind of nice. I mean, I the the problem with Attack on Titan it works a lot like Breaking Bad. There's a lot of small moves for big payoffs. Mm. So that you have like you have about eight or eight or nine episodes where it thinks like nothing's happening, and then you hit that tenth episode, and then suddenly like everything comes together. And I think that's one of the, my only sort of gripe with the show is that if you're depending on how you like your storytelling, it may seem like oh my god, there's just like so much filler here when nothing's happening. Um, and then obviously when you dig up those pails, they really sort of deliver in the fact that nearly every character in the show on either side of the conflict has their like backstory filled in so you get these it's really incredible like both sides of um of conflict so you, like nothing sort of like that traditional sort of good versus evil you see the ideology from both sides and it really provides this really great moments where like the two meet in the middle and it's sort of like well who are we supposed to be like rooting for do we like root for these guys we fought from the beginning or these other guys who ideology sort of like fits in because they're persecuted from where they come from and yeah so yeah i'm also back at the gym so that helps as <laughs> yeah. i was saying to you before we came on i'm watching yeah. ricky o daily and uh doing the steps I should watch One Punch Man as well, just to like really keep me on track. I mean, there's another one that people talk about. It's just there's too much. One Punch Man's easier to watch, like like um, uh, was it um, Superior Academia or whatever it is? My Hero. Oh, My Academia. Hero Academia. That's really yeah. easy to watch. That's basically just X Men. Right. So you you probably like that. It's like X Men meets Top Ten, but less dark. Gotcha. It's because it's a world of superheroes, and I think Disney Plus have just put out a show that feels very similar to it, where it's a world of uh, world where everyone has superpowers. Oh, and there's a girl who hasn't got the superpowers. Yes. I forget what it's called, but yes, I saw that little short little show. Yeah. Yeah. So um, once again, a reminder: there are no original ideas. No. <laughs> it's the first thing they teach you in writing class. Well, I think there's only eight stories, isn't there, or something like that? Pretty much, yeah. It's like boy meets girl, boy meets monster, stop that wedding. Yeah. Um, you know. But it, there's only reworkings and reimaginations, and it really pisses some people off to have that harsh truth dropped on them. So they, they smoke out all the uh, lightweights in writing class on day one by dropping that as the first thing you learn. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And then you have to sit through like someone's seven pages about growing children in the wrong places or some pony they had. Where you <laughs> sit there and roll cigarettes and wonder when your next coffee break's coming up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you cynic. As I said. Should we move on to tonight's feature presentation? Let's do that. So, tonight's feature presentation The Girl Who Let Through Time. Thank you. 
きな瞳が泣きそうな声が今も僕の胸を締め付けるすれ違う人の中で君を追いかけた So tonight we are looking at the girl who let through time from 2006, uh, the latest in a long line of adaptations of the very popular story. This one directed by Mamoru Hosoda, um, who is a director who's really recently um, come into come into his own with the likes of Wolf Children and Mirai and Bell. Um, he also previously had directed Summer Wars and The Boy and The Beast. And uh, prior to that, had been best known for directing Digimon movies. Um, he did the first two Digimon movies, uh, the Digimon movie. And yeah, the Digimon, the, the, the go-bots of the, <laughs> of the, of the collector Did you universe. not like Digimon? <laughs> Digital I, no, monsters. I'm, as, I'm as interested in Digimon as I am in um, Pokemon, to be honest with you. But I just, I just view them as, you know, like there were GoBots that actually came before Transformers, but no one, no one's favourite is GoBots, right? I just feel like Digimon is, well, everyone prefers Pokemon, but I appreciate that people like their things. But yeah, I um. He has become quite a big deal recently, and I have seen Summer Wars as well, which I really enjoy. Summer Wars, I really want to bring to the show at some point. Mm, I think uh, we've talked about it, haven't we? Yeah, um, at some point. But um, yeah, I just really, you know, I don't, I don't know a lot of manga directors. No, I don't know any manga directors because that's really, I don't know a lot of anime directors. But he, this is one guy that I do know, which is why I've picked this for. You know this this like you say there, there's 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 what there's um one two three four films I think the original one directed by the director of Hausu <laughs> which is quite good and um and actually the girl who plays the voice the Japanese voice actually is the actress in the in the 2010 one so there's there's lots of versions but I thought this one this was a nice one because obviously we could talk about the director because he's done he's but you know He's, he's become fairly well known in the Western world as well um, recently, and it's I think it's just a charming little movie. But your mileage may vary. Well, I mean, her soda. He originally started off working for Toei Animation, working on the likes of Digimon, which we uh, mentioned already. Um, he got offered the gig to direct um, Howl's Moving Castle, but uh, when he went over there, basically they were like. Direct it like Mirazaki would. And his response was, well, why don't you just get Mirazaki to direct it? Uh, which, obviously, he did. Um, now, obviously, the interesting thing about uh, Maru 
is that he didn't know he didn't like speak negatively about the experience of obviously leaving house moving castle uh he did however work into how much of a shit show it was into many of his films which followed though which uh, referenced his unhappiness of the situation so while he may not have like openly salted the earth he certainly let his work reflect his feelings on the matter but I think once he obviously once he starts doing things like Summer Wars, The Boy and the Beast, and obviously The Girl Let Through Time is when he starts becoming more recognised as a director in his own right, with Wolf Children really being one of those films which sort of put him on the map for a lot of people. But I think The Girl Who Let Through Time is a really great pick for the first film of his we're going to obviously bring to the show. And it's a film I'd seen once previously and I didn't really care for it at the time. And I have to say going back to it now, the film really sort of aged like a fine wine or a good cheese um, as it follows uh, the 17 year old Makoto Kono who gains the ability to leap backwards through time um, initially using it to her own advantage to get things that she wants uh, only to ultimately realise that the power will have greater effect to, to hopefully help shape the lives of her friends as well but um, Stephen, why did, in particular did you choose the girl who lived through time? Was it because it had such the legacy, or? Yeah, I think so. I've actually read the novel as well. So it's it's there's a obviously I didn't read it in Japanese. There is an English translation, and I just think it's a property that at a period of time I was quite into. Um, so I read the novel um, written by uh, Yasutaka. Satsui, I think. I'm just going to do an L word there and just leave it out there for an imaginary person to correct my um, pronunciation. Um, like I said, I've seen Time Traveller, the uh, more recent one. I just, I love time travel movies, right? Oh, I think I've made that quite clear. And what I like about this one is, is that it's, on the whole, it's really small potatoes time travelling, which is another thing I really like, you know, that, that the world isn't going to change. It's actually quite a personal story, but there is a, is it a twist? I don't know if it's a twist when it's been signposted the entire movie, but there's a, there's a kind of twist at the end, which actually puts the stakes up to be a bit bigger, but yeah, instead of the time travel stuff being the core element of the film, it's just a way to explore this young girl's, relationships with her friends and it's a growing up story isn't it it's about a girl you know she is her first love she has she she experiences death in many different ways um and there's just this whole summer in japan thing as well it just reminds me of summertime machine blues actually which is again we've got to talk about that one day but with the, with the, the hot summers at school and the cicadas constantly all the time and i i just love it and i think it's got a really nice art style um so the backgrounds are really really highly detailed in the in the city in the sort of the town area or kind of impressionistic when they're out in the baseball park and everyone's it's got this kind of nice long elongated style for the characters so it's a bit cartoony without being overly um overly realistic um, same I feel the same about Summer Wars I think that's got a very similar look it's sort of that it middle ground well. really between western and traditional mm. anime um, that, 
that, that's Obviously, there's, right. there's yes, familiarities absolutely. between what we consider to be like a traditional anime style, but at the same time, it's not sticking hard and fast to those rules. As you said already, there's the way that these characters move, especially in like their design, they're a little more elongated than uh, we're used to, and the fact that how you see them like break down into more simplistic drawings and how their sort of limbs stretch out more. Yeah, I mean, it still has that occasional where they'll pull a face, which is very unrealistic, but very manga-esque face. You know, these these very simplified emotional faces that eyes suddenly change and the mouth goes really big, and there's a little bit of that. But on the whole, yes, it does. It does. It does. Sort of to a Westerner's eyes, it's actually quite watchable without feeling. Um, you know, it doesn't have fan service and things like that which is a problem we have sometimes with some of these things and it just you feel a bit dirty sometimes when you watch some anime well i do but obviously you don't have that problem mate <laughs> after after our last 20 minutes it's, uh, it's, it's no, something it's... you come to you come to accept the same way that when we talked about ninja scroll and you were saying about the lord's sexual violence in that movie was kind of shocking but myself obviously coming to as someone who'd seen it like multiple times there's elements that you sort of grow numb to you just sort of overlook and i think as i said the the fan service and over sexualization of women those sorts of things you just sort of come to accept the same way that every dead or alive game has that weird photography game in it oh and and, and the boob physics yes, don't the... forget that um <laughs> but the other thing is the, sort of the lead characters, you know, I think she's like 15 years old or something like that. And she just, she's just a nice 15 year old person. You know, there's no, over, there's no over sexualization of her, although there's a sexual awakening in her in the sense that she falls in love for the first time. But there's, yeah, it's nice. She's got a little younger sister. The biggest problem in her life is that her little sister's eating her pudding out the fridge. I mean, her, her life gets a lot more complicated once she starts leaping <laughs> through time, and and also the the whole. But and like I said, the leaping through time thing. She just basically sort of groundhog days, and has to go further and further back to. You know, sometimes she's trying to fix something which is kind of major, like someone's dying, but sometimes it's just about trying to hook up her other friend with a girl, and and I just love that. You know, it's like Groundhog Day, but the the stakes are actually quite minor. I don't know. That's, that just appealed to yeah, me. Yeah, I mean, it's also interesting the fact that this is a sequel to the original novel. Um, the fact that her aunt, witch is uh, we're led to believe is the original girl who let through time, and that uh, somehow that this power has now been passed on to uh, Makoto in uh, this woman. As you said, I mean, she's uh, a seventeen. 17 year old uh, high school student she's got a little bit of a tomboy edge in the fact that she likes playing baseball and hanging out with her two male friends and it's the way that they've that her character's written and designed it's all like she has this amazing power to to leap through time and it's all like that question is all like well what would you do if you could jump through time it's like where'd you go and what would you change and her initial use of it is the fact that oh i'm not getting the meal i want i'm going to go back two days because i want that meal instead or my sister ate my pudding so i'll leap back in time a day so i can eat the pudding there's a great scene when she's so like not getting enough time in the karaoke bar so she keeps leaping back and forth through time so that she can have longer in the karaoke bar so these real sort of like minor abuses of power 
because that's what 17 euros do when they're given this ability they're just going to use it to to get more pudding or the meals that they want just to change little things to suit them yeah they're kind of selfish aren't they but but selfish but harmless you know oh she wants you know like you say the 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 repeated karaoke sessions brilliant because obviously everyone her two friends that she's with are just having the karaoke session she goes through it five or six times she goes back home and her throat is hoarse because she's basically you know she's experienced time at a different rate but yeah they're they're just little things and it's funny and yes you're right 17 not 15 but it's here and there isn't it it, 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 well obviously the japanese people go to school for longer than we do in the west whereas people in the west um, yeah, you have to. Sometimes when we see Japanese schoolgirls, they're actually older than you think they are. That's the point because they they go to high school longer. But um, yeah, and she's just charming, isn't she? And it's nice that she's a little tomboy esque, and she's got short hair, and she's a bit different. And her two best friends are guys, yeah. And I just I just found that really refreshing and different. She has got a female friend, isn't it? yeah, because she hangs around with them. When she gets um, blatted on by the big guy that lands yeah, on top is, of her. Yeah, there's some, these wonderful comedic moments uh, in it. As you said, mm. the the fact that some of the things that uh, she she avoids, such as like the fire that uh, breaks out in cooking class, or the the big guy who gets thrown across the room randomly. So, um, mm. and I love as well that she's always moving forward when she's doing the leaps. So she'll leap back in time. And she'll like forward roll into the scene, or she'll just pop up. There's um, mm. this because um, for her to do the leap, she has to be like constantly moving forward. Um, and we also have that wonderful framing device of like when she first discovers her power, and she's uh, she's going down a hill, and she realizes her brakes have failed, and she goes over a crossing in front of a train and, and leaps back in time. But the way that that scene is so set up, the fact that they got the little, um, almost like cuckoo clock chimes above the railway crossing, um, and the yeah. fact that they set up that scene, and like when it comes back into play, and the role, the people in in the roles are all been switched, and you see like like the uh, woman and her child, and then you see the the little chime come up, and you suddenly realize, oh no, wait, this is the moment we're in time, so. And, and and it's because the, the the event has happened to her bike. When we first happens to her, she's on the bike. But because of her machinations, her friend and his girlfriend yeah. are on her bike, and they're the same thing's going to happen to them. And yes, it's brilliant that that yeah, and that's beautifully drawn as well. That you know we've seen these little Japanese towns in many other films. It could it could be from I don't know, seen by the sea or something like that. Yeah, there's a there's a street and like you say, there's this there's this sort of novelty clock in town where the chimes are going and we see the we've seen these railway crossings before with the trains that it doesn't look doesn't look like England, does it? It just looks very Japanese. Oh, swing girls. That's like the train yes. on swing girls, isn't it? Just a single carriage train going through and it's it's kind of rural. It's nice to see a Japan that isn't always Tokyo. I mean, I don't. I, well, apparently she isn't at Tokyo High School according to the plot, but it doesn't feel like it feels like the outskirts of Tokyo or something like that. And it's just, yeah, and 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 there is that economy to it that 
these aren't just random events they actually all do link up to a bigger whole don't they like you say and we 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 eventually come back to that point and that is where the crisis happens and actually she fails at that point but then that's when the twist happens and somebody else is a time traveler as well um and it's i think the film because initially the film like gives the impression that she can leap back and forth in time is the limited amount of time that she wants and then around the halfway point she discovers she's got a tattoo that basically serves the same as spawn's clock it says that she can only leap so many times and then she realizes that you know perhaps she shouldn't have been so frivolous with it and when you're using it to because she has only the best intentions. While obviously she she does a lot of minor stuff with it, so as we said, so she wants to go to the buffet multiple times. She wants to have a pudding. She does all these minor things, but this is very much in tune of like, as I said already, this is what seventeen year old kids do. They don't make great choices when given great power. Uh, you can take any any sort of superhero this sort of age like spider-man what he does as soon as he gets uh power he like becomes a wrestler and tries to trade in his powers for fortune but you have that point where you suddenly realize no way these powers have to be used for a greater good they're not just oh my friends uh just declared his love for me and this is really awkward i want to get out of this and that scene in particular i really thought was fantastic uh when she's shown prior to it there's a crossroad and the camera like lingers on the sign almost like saying like like highlighting the choices you make it's sort of like you can go this way and your friend's going to say that he's, he's in love with you or you can go this way and that you don't uh go with your friend and uh he gets to keep his feelings to himself so yeah i mean it's the ending also is very bittersweet isn't it <laughs> it's it's you know this 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 character that she's fallen in love with it turns out I'm going to spoil it, mate. It turns out he's from the future, and it's his time traveling device that she's kind of absorbed. It's a war power. Um, <laughs> of all yeah, the things so, in the world, yeah. it's yeah. But it's also nice because they don't really explain. He's from the future in the in the book. So, like you say, it's it. This is kind of a sequel, but it's not. It sort of suggests that her aunt is the girl from the previous story. But this is the same story as the book. It's very weird. But, um, but yes, he, he's come back from a future which doesn't sound like a very nice place to see um, a particular painting. We don't, I don't, Do we see the painting? I mean, the aunt is restoring it. I don't remember if we see it or not, if it, if it has any particular... Um, there are any visual clues in it, but it's not the point. And he doesn't actually ever get to see the painting, but he does get to make for it. And he likes to play baseball because they don't do baseball anymore. And that's a very, that's the most Japanese thing I can think of, you know, this love of baseball. It's the one sort of things that America and Japan have in common is this little mythic status of baseball. So he comes up, he's fallen in love with her, but she's basically used up all his time traveling powers and, 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 to, and she uses her final jump to fix this, but by fixing it, she'll never see him again. And that's a really mature decision that she has to make. And it's the first time... Well, she has already started doing slightly less selfish decisions, but that, that has led her down to a path where her other friends and his girlfriend are going to get killed because of it. But yeah, she uses up that last jump and, and makes this sort of huge sacrifice. But... 
you kind of know that she's on the right path. It's charming. It's also it hinted that that uh, this friend also had a relationship with her aunt as well. Yeah, <laughs> it's a real Austin Powers moment. It's all like she's like, oh, I don't see him this way. And it's all like, well, maybe you should like take another look at it. <laughs> it's all like I once knew this boy. It's, it, I, now I'm saying it, it just reminds me of that scene in um, Wayne's World Two where they have um, Charles and Heston, and he's like Cherry Street. <laughs> it's just really, felt very. Much like, it's, like, it's a small part, but surely we can get a better actor. And it's just like that in my mind. It's like Charles Heston doing the Cherry Street speech. <laughs> I knew a girl Cherry Street. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's weird that. They make out her aunt has done all this already when it is literally the same well, story she is as the novel. Witch. Yeah, whatever. It, it makes no sense, does it? it it's just a she a aunt is, but yeah, she's restoring this this painting. So it all it serves well because it means that it it ties together because. Um, the fact that he'd obviously want to see this painting and the fact that he didn't mind the fact he had essentially got stuck in the past because he was having so much fun playing baseball, which, again, mm. <laughs> very Japanese idea. But then again, if your future, if your fu- the future you come from is kind of crummy, it, is it such a bad thing to hang out in, in this particular time zone? I mean, it's not like you're in like the 50s or some awful period like that. No, I mean, and they deliberately don't really talk about what the future's like. It's just that they don't have baseball. This painting no longer exists. Um, Time travel exists, but it seems very highly regulated. And there's a suggestion that people are popping over all the time to have a little look at things. (laughs) So it's a shitty world, but there is time travel. But but again, it it almost doesn't matter because it's about about, um, Makoto, isn't it? really it's about her her growth and growing up it's uh you know if this was an american show mate it would be on the cw <laughs> it's, it's about young adults is there any particular time period you would use your time travel periods to go back to anyone you'd like stop or anything like that oh what a good question oh i'd um Oh, oh! You've caught me out. Um, I, yeah, I kind of fancy going back to the sixties. I'm not too far. I don't. I don't want to go back to like medieval times or anything like that. But maybe to the sixties. Maybe watch the moon landing, something like that. So it's a bit. It's a bit like the painting, isn't it? You know, there's something that you could. You know, they've never gone back since. And to be able to be part of the world with that excitement, seeing that on the fuzzy TV, not being worried about whether it was fake or not, and just just genuinely being in the moment. I think that would be for me. What about for you? <laughs> um, this is <laughs> you think that I've got like some some like great idea of like uh, going back in time. Uh, I think I'll go back to like the seventies um, and um, taking Forty Second Street. I think that's probably where we'd go and go and see some of like the bizarre cinema at the time. I think is is the thing because the fact is, if you sort of like you don't want to really mess with your own past too much because the mm. the Proust idea of like you know 
all the bad things happening in your life is what shapes you. These are all the things you learn from, not the times you were happy. Um, so you don't really want to mess with that, especially if it means that you're going to screw up your your own your own future. Yeah, no, I think I would just want to be there as an observer for sure. I mean, I will warn you, as somebody who was born in the 70s, it was shit. Oh, yeah, 70s, <laughs> 70s England, I can't imagine being particularly great. It's... Yeah, so if you want, to, yeah, I, I can, and again, I think we both want to go to America. I just want to go there 10 years before you. <laughs> 1969, I'll be, I'll be all right. I'll be right there in that end of, that kind of end of the summer of love into the shitty start of of the 70s and the petrochemical crisis yeah. and all that but but as a but as an adult you know living i've, I've been doing this you know i obviously i i'm the king of fucking nostalgia these days and um i spend my all my free income trying to recreate my past whether it's with doctor who blu-rays or 8-bit computers from the 80s and repairing them and my, my whole life is resurrecting a time i don't really remember I think I'll, yeah we'll go back you know. and stop them remaking doctor who um you go back, go to, back 2005 to 2005 and shoot russell and t davis the, the 2005 <laughs> and, so and go he's got a gun <laughs> <laughs> we can that that would be something i would uh, change we can get rid of no clark a lot sooner oh i tell you what i'd what i do is i would um i would um Rob a Curry's or a Rumbelow's of all the Curry's. stuff which is na- which is now on eBay for tens of thousands of pounds, which only cost about a hundred pounds at the time. Yes, uh, put it all in a warehouse somewhere and uh, come back. Yes, but you're not allowed to. I'm not. You're not allowed to biff it, are you? That's that would oh, be bad. That, I mean, that's the, the same thing as sort of like when you say, "Oh, you've got three wishes." Like, oh, wish for more wishes. <laughs> It's like there's always yeah. somebody wants to ruin the game. Um, yeah, it's sort of like, oh, I want to go back and only Neo Geo, and you forget like Neo Geos were expensive back then. Yeah, they 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 were still six months' wages <laughs> then. Absolutely, which is, which is why I'm going to sort of ramroad the Rumblos. <laughs> Rumblos. Oh, <coughs> that's that is the most. 80s British thing I think I can come oh, up yeah. with. Oh yeah, you want to go back and like uh, write November Rain or something, don't you? You just go around and, and you're like, you go around and hire like the best musicians before they join other bands. And like um, yeah, stop Brian May from learning the guitar or something like that. <laughs> you you oh, want to kill oh, Queen? In a second. Have you got no because soul, man? Or maybe that's why you Queen want to do it. Queen didn't know when to give up. <laughs> and that's why we have them like well. in the uh, Rolling Stones period now where they just make really boring music. Like a bigger, well, they... a bigger bang or was that Rolling Stones who did a bigger bang? I can't remember. I, uh, to be honest with you, Queen sh- should have just stopped when you Freddie can, you passed You can go away. back and just like... Um, and still, uh, and have one rides the bus before Weird Al does. <laughs> yeah, no, um, God, there's loads of sort of pop culture things. You I think I just it'd be it more to be an happen. observer. It's, yeah, definitely, I definitely have to be an observer. I think that would be. I'm just you just reminded me in a weird backwards way that film yesterday that 
where where the premise was that the Beatles didn't exist, but he remembered all their songs, and that didn't. And and so having all those songs didn't work out well for him. But that film is so fucking flawed, and also it's got Ed Sheeran. He's just poison for everything, isn't he? Uh, Apart from Nando's. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I think yeah. If I just go back, be a, like a ghostly observer, because also, I you know the world wasn't as things stank and people stank and we 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 as much as we might hate some of the things about today it is a much nicer smelling place (laughs) that's my that's my huge takeaway i watched lots of history videos in london any time before about 1940 sounds fucking disgusting (laughs) and just i think because i'm feeling didn't uh birth of a nation win like an oscar or something I don't know if it won an Oscar, but it certainly got played by the. Um, it was had a private screening in the I White House. I just want House. to go back and just be like, really? <laughs> no one sees a problem here. <laughs> the fact the original the original title of this movie is The Clansman. <laughs> yeah, no, it's um, I yeah, I don't know if it won an Oscar, but it certainly yeah, certainly the the present of the time, um, had a private showing. In the White House, which is a thing which happens to films quite often, um, uh, may have even been one of the first ones to be shown. But again, context is everything. Yeah, oh, that's what I do. I go uh, back and see the original screening of Todd Browning's Freaks, so that I can uh, hang out with um, who wrote Huck Finn. Yeah, I can Mark hang Twain. out with Mark Twain in the lobby, where he uh, stares at the Siamese twins and just proclaims that it is he is aghast. So. Is Mark Twain really? No, no, no. He went to the screening and he was one of the people who memorably walked out. He had a very adverse reaction to it. He means you would be able to see the original cut of it where um, they've turned uh, Hercules into a uh, castrato. And he's singing singing, uh, as a a soprano. There's a number of scenes that are cut out like um, from the Wicker Man and buried somewhere. I know we've gone completely off topic, but this ties into a thought I was having today. So I'm, I'm going to be fifty-two years old in April, and I'm thinking I'm half a century old, and just thinking of how the world has changed in those fifty years, you know, out of sight. Um, and what you've just said there is that Mark Twain was alive when Freaks was at the cinema. <laughs> And in my head, you know, he comes from a generation before that, at the very least. But if, no, and I mean, what, when was Freaks? Uh, what year? Thirty something? Nineteen? Yeah, nineteen. Oh, oh, it I is the, the grandfather of, of exploitation cinema. Mm, I think it's a bit later Let's than that. But um, thirty-two. Yeah, oh no, I am. Blimey, I'm near. I'm near, more right than I thought I was. Yeah, to think that that Mark Twain, who I yeah absolutely as a view as somebody from another age, but I was born closer to 1932 than I am to my birth date now. If that makes sense, <laughs> that was only 40 years before I was born. I am now 50 years older than when I was born. That's crazy, and that's making my head hurt. Help. 
<laughs> Back to the film before I explode. Yeah, um, <laughs> the film also realizes the fact that we can only leap forward in time, not space, which is the other problem with time travel. That while you may want to go back to like 1970, you're still going to be in the same place, but in 1970. Yeah, I th- I'm trying to think. There's another film that time uses machine. that as a. Yeah, because is, is it the time machine? Uh, the, his machine. It only goes forward and back in time. It doesn't go anywhere in space. So even if you want to, like, say you want to, like, go and watch Edison invent the light bulb, you've got to. <laughs> go back in time, then get a boat, which is going to take you. So you've got to work yeah. in your, your travel time. If you want to go and see the French Revolution or something, you'll have to go yeah, and yeah, get you've got to, to drag your first. time machine over yeah. to France, and then hope you're not like in the middle of like a crossfire or something when you show up in the middle of the revolution. Um, let's face it; all we want to do is just go back and drink with historical figures. Well, yeah, that would be cool, uh, but but then to find out, because well, <laughs> Wolverine, uh, Wolverine might... boxed with Hemingway. Oh yeah, <laughs> See, he's through like, time. It's like, he's, yeah, and he's also two hundred years and, old or something, isn't that he? That was also but, the um, sequel for Gladiator. Was that um, Russell Crowe's Gladiator was going to kill Christ, and then he would become immortal and travel through the battlefields of history. Yeah, and it was written Nick by Cage. Nick Cave, <laughs> the man who's darker than the devil's spit. Really? Yeah. God. Obviously, it didn't happen. <laughs> so that's, I think, good. <laughs> yeah, a film called Gladiator 2, Christ Killer. wonder why that didn't take off. Um, Can you I do imagine? Like, I do, oh, uh, obviously, to get back on track now, we've obviously had a time travel call. <laughs> um I like the idea of leaping forward in, in time or le- just leaping in time. The fact you've got to get the momentum and you've got to leap. Or I, I love the way in this film, you know, she has to do a and physical exertion. Board, that and then, it makes me laugh every time I watch it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, and each time she wants to go further back, she has to run even faster and further. And so it's becoming, there's two things against her. One is there's the countdown of how many jumps she's got, but to, you know, to fix what she's just fucked up, she's got to go even further and faster. I, I, li- I like that there's a sort of a physical debt to it as well. I mean, it doesn't really explain why that is the case. And I don't know if the um, Chiaki, whatever his name is, he has to do the same. But he suggests he suggests that, have you been leaping through time? So I guess that is the and way it happens. We have that wonderful moment, like when she first leaps through time and it goes right back to the primordial slime. And we get this uh, this abridged history of time where we're like in the primordial oceans and then we go up and we see like cavemen and the discovery of fire and it went all like tribes and horses going across the plain as it goes all 2001. Um, and then we ultimately end up in, in the timeline she needs to be. But she, frankly, she never ends up like stuck in like... Oh, that's the... They have the... Um, when she is leaping... Like the first time, it's like she's in a Van Gogh mm. painting, isn't it? And like it's all very much like painted in, um, what's the what's the Van Gogh painting, um, with the stars? I can't remember what it's called, but yes. And then later on, 
it's it can be a bit more Dali-esque and then yeah it, it there is some interesting it's almost CGI created isn't it I, I'm guessing it's computer generated yeah there's a blending of traditional and CGI elements in in here so mm. yeah it's just it's just a lovely a lovely movie um time traveler the live action sequel which is a sequel um it's pretty good as well but it's again small small stake stuff i think that's that's why it works so well though because we've mm. seen obviously seen the bigger stake stuff i mean we can watch back to the future to see the bigger stake stuff but even that in itself is kind of small stakes it's all within that sort of small group of characters even if they go back to like the west or they go to the future it's always the same group of characters that they interact with it's always like biff's descendants yeah. his parents yeah they i mean even even back, back to future doesn't like deal with the let's kill him no but it does it's sort of like does that uh <laughs> you heard that sound you're looking for where he's eating and invents rock and roll thankfully we don't get that in this movie hmm. no that's um, right yes I do love Back to the Future, but there is that there's that issue that white boy invents rock and roll, and also the fact his mum's trying to hump him is just. Ugh. <laughs> um, oh, recently the guy who plays Biff, um, he there's a video going around of him doing. Uh, he's made a song out of the songs he's constantly the question he's he's constantly asked. And he's sort of like, oh, what's Michael J. Fox like? Kind of nice. What's Christopher Lloyd like? Kind of <laughs> quiet. <laughs> what's Christian Glover like? A little weird. <laughs> and it's like, do hoverboards exist? No, it's a movie. <laughs> um, which will probably play us oh, out with tonight, oh, so you can enjoy that. So, Cool. Anything else that you want to bring up on this one? Because... <clears throat> no, I... I don't think so. I just I I I don't want to undersell it, but you know sometimes we. I, I just think there's a place in the world for nice little ninety-minute, gentle, coming-of-age stories with a little bit of science fiction in, and um, I'm glad you liked it because I was a bit worried, but then I saw you'd four-starred it on that box. Oh, that's smiled. It's um, <laughs> by the same writer as Paprika as well, uh, which Indeed. is another yes. film that. Yes. We are going to bring to the show, but I keep putting off because it means the end of our Satoshi Kon coverage. It's that's right. We, we, it's all like the the last of the the worlds. I don't want to be like Alexander at the world's end just yet. So um, obviously, though, we have we have got like Paranoia Agent and we got Memories as well. So we're not we got a couple mm. of other bits and pieces there, but obviously, Paprika is a a big momentous uh, movie, and I think it's really. Uh, one of my favourites of the the con next to Perfect Blue, so um, it, we will be covering it. It's just a question of when, like everything. I, I know. But um, yes, I think big big thumbs up from both of us. Cool. Absolutely. Well, that brings us to the end of tonight's episode. Thank you as always for listening. Please do feel free to uh, let us know your own thoughts on the Go Let Through Time, your own thoughts on time travel, what move you would like to uh, use to travel through time. You know, for myself, I think I'd stick with the leap. I think I think I don't know if I 
well, well, the physical exertion means I'll probably only be able to go back for to you. I would trade in, so yeah, you have to like do so. the macarena or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, you have to do like some Dragon Ball uh, Hamiana. Oh no, I'll do a cutie honey, honey flash. <laughs> you go to like <laughs> Sailor Moon, sort of like swear, just like a oh, Wonder Woman. <coughs> that's <laughs> yeah, that's the kind of thing that, yeah, that I would it. that I would uh, I would allow you to have. Just because okay, it'd be real. Cool. <laughs> it's like, why is it not working? <laughs> The humiliation is is worth is a worthwhile payoff for the for the ability to <laughs> like later <play>. losers. <laughs> <laughs> so um, ah, but uh, yes, uh, if you haven't done already, you can uh, obviously follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can say hi to us there. Uh, our Facebook page in particular, really fun hangout. We post things pretty much every day, and we have some fun discussions happening on there as well. You can check out our blog, which is asiancinemafilmclub.wordpress.com. Um, and uh, you can also email us, which is uh, acfilmclub at yahoo.com as well. But, Stephen, next time it is my turn to choose, isn't it? Um, it is. And I would like to do another high school movie. And it's one that's been on my list for quite some time. Um, it's also a film which has recently got a series um, on Disney Plus of all places. Okay. I'm just giving you clues now to see if you can get it. I know, and I, and I don't know. You, okay. You've thrown um, Okay, so on the next episode, we are going to be looking at the high school sports comedy, Sumo Can, Sumo Don't, in which a young boy attempts to revive the high school sumo team. Ah, so, by one of my favourite directors. Um, yeah, um, just double check in if I've got to type in the right keyboard. Um, sumo do, sumo don't, isn't it? 1992. Um, yes, Masayuki Suo, who also directed, um, I just didn't do it. And well, okay, so that's one of my favorite films. He also directed Shall We Dance, which was then made into a Richard Gere film yep. later on. I think it was a Richard Gere film, and he also directed. A movie which I reviewed for Eastern Kicks called Abnormal Family, Older Brother's Bride, which is a um, pink movie in the style of Ozu. <laughs> He's a really interesting director. Yeah, so I haven't seen Sumo Do Sumo Don't, so I'm really looking forward to seeing that. So that's fantastic. So that's obviously going up on our next episode. But until then, thank you as always for listening. Thank you to my co-host Stephen. And join us next time for Sumo Do Sumo Don't. Good night. Two, three, four. When I'm flying in a plane or I'm on the street, there's a lot of friendly people that I like to meet. They shake my hand and never ask my name, and they start asking questions that are always the same. Hey, what's Michael J. Fox like? He's nice. What's Christopher Lloyd like? Kinda quiet. What's Crispin Glover like? Unusual. Stop asking me the question. I went to the bar mitzvah of my nephew Josh. Now I'm not Jewish, but I like to nosh. 
put on my yarmulke and started to pray When the rabbi leaned over and I heard him say Hey, was that real manure? No, it wasn't. How was that DeLorean? A piece of garbage. Did the hoverboards really fly? It's a movie. Stop asking me the question. Can we take your picture? Come on, look mean! Will you call my friend a butthead on his answering machine? Questions, questions, just fill my head I went to my doctor, my doctor said What does a key grip do? Set up lights What does the best boy do? Help the key grip What does a producer do? I don't know Stop asking me the question I don't think it's ever not on the TV screen People tell me, I thought you'd be really mean Doesn't matter if I tell them that movies are pretend They still want me to say What are you looking at, Butthead? What are you looking at, Butthead? Do you all hang out together? No, we don't How's Crispin Glover? Never talk to him Back to the future for never happening Stop asking me the question Who did you like on the set? The lunch guy who was the biggest jerk He got fired Back to the future for just let it go Stop 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 Asking me the question